Well, to me, when you're younger, it's it's important to play the game. You know, if you're choosing a college to go to, uh, you know, you have to go somewhere where you're going to get an opportunity to play. Um, you know, I think we all want to go to the Vanderbilts or the Oregon States or some of these great, um, you know, baseball programs in college. Um, but if you're one of those guys that can go to one of those schools or maybe get the opportunity, but you're not going to play when you get there, then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, you know, uh, there are baseball scouts all across the country, and we've seen time and time again that the best players in Major League Baseball didn't necessarily go to the top colleges or maybe they even signed out of high school. So you, you have to have the opportunity to play and you don't get better unless you play. So you have to do that um, with whatever team you're playing on at the time. Make sure you get out there and play your best baseball every day and choose your future carefully so that you have that opportunity to continue to play. That was former Major League Baseball player and current Irish Baseball Ambassador Steve Lyons. He also served as a guest coach for the Irish Wolfhounds Baseball Club this past summer. Hello, and welcome to episode 74 of the Irish Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Becker. Steve Lyons will be my guest on the show today. We'll talk about the Irish Wolfhounds, the state of baseball today, his career, and one of his former teams. To follow along with the Irish Wolfhounds, the Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame, and everything happening at the Irish American Baseball Society, go to irishbaseball.org. If you aren't already, become a member of the society and help us continue to make progress in all of these different aspects of our mission. That's irishbaseball.org. Let's welcome Steve Lyons to the podcast. Thanks for being here, Steve. Yeah, no problem. This should be a, a good time. So very first off, I want to talk about your work with the Irish Wolfhounds because this is what has everybody in the Irish American Baseball Society. So excited right now. A perfect 3-0 and summer, but even more than that, just to get a team on the field and playing together when some of these players didn't even know each other earlier in the day when the game started. You were a big part of that, so why don't you talk about your role with the Wolfhounds and what impressed you the most with what you saw from the team? Well, I think what you said is exactly right. I mean, a lot of those players didn't know each other. Uh, some of them certainly had played together before and didn't know of each other, uh, which was nice. And it, it gave them a chance to uh, uh, get together a little bit, not only just as players to figure out what they needed to do on the field to, to win games, but also to, to learn each other's personalities and, and get to know each other off the field and, and uh, become a little bit more of a group. Now, for me, it was obviously my first foray into the Wolfhounds, and I didn't know anybody. So uh, it was it was a great learning experience for me. Um, I was what they called, quote unquote, the bench coach that day. Um, and so I became like the biggest cheerleader uh, in the stadium uh, was pretty much my job. Um, Fergus didn't need a whole lot of help with coaching. He, he had it all together. He knows what he's doing. And, um, you know, there was a couple learning opportunities during the game uh, that I brought up with a few of the players, which I thought was important um, for to pass along any kind of knowledge that that I knew, because we were talking about, you know, the majority of them were a, a bunch of college kids, you know, trying to make their way. And uh, of course, there was a couple ex pros there and a couple guys that are in pro baseball. And it was a great way to see what kind of talent level is out there 
in the Irish community. So it was, it, it's, it was a great start. And what kind of talent is out there in the Irish community? Do you think this is a team, you know, when you start looking at that end goal of Ireland eventually making a World Baseball Classic, does that seem like a realistic goal to you after what you've seen in these first three games? Well, I think it has to be. It has to be the goal, and it has to be something that you're striving towards. You know, as I said, some of the guys on the team were, you know, one kid had just graduated high school, was on his way to college. Um, there's a vast difference right now between uh, a Japanese team or, or a United States team that can win a WBC and a team that can compete in it. So right now, can they compete with some of the other countries that have a team? Absolutely, they can. Um, can they go in there and knock off a USA team? I'm not sure if that's possible at this point, but this is all about starting something that has a lasting impact. And, uh, you know, there's been some resistance in the past. I think the, the Wolfhounds are a team that, first and foremost, I think we're trying to bring awareness um, about Irish baseball. And, and, and there's no question that they've done that, maybe ruffled some feathers along the way, but maybe also you know, brought brought awareness to a lot of people that had no idea, maybe first that there wasn't a, a WBC team um, from Ireland and the simple fact that there should be one. You get to look at this from a completely different perspective. You know what it's like to play the game at the absolute top level. And like you said, there are some former pros on the Wolfhounds, but also you're looking at some college kids there at that point where they're still trying to build their career, when you are giving advice to some of these kids, what's the advice that you give them, not just for trying to make the Wolfhounds a success, but making their baseball careers a success? Well, to me, when you're younger, it's, it's important to play the game. You know, if you're choosing a college to go to, uh, you know, you have to go somewhere where you're going to get an opportunity to play. Um, you know, I think we all want to go to the Vanderbilts or the Oregon States or some of these great, um, you know, baseball programs in college. Um, but if you're one of those guys that can go to one of those schools or maybe get the opportunity, but you're not going to play when you get there, then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, you know, uh, there are baseball scouts all across the country. And we've seen time and time again that the best players in Major League Baseball didn't necessarily go to the top colleges or maybe they even signed out of high school. So, you, you have to have the opportunity to play and you don't get better unless you play. So you have to do that um, with whatever team you're playing on at the time. Make sure you get out there and play your best baseball every day and choose your future carefully so that you have that opportunity to continue to play. You know, I think that's such a great point, especially with the way college athletics have changed over the past few years. You're dealing with a situation now where maybe you didn't play as a freshman and a sophomore like I remember my uncle when he went to play college baseball the first year as a freshman he played second base but they DH'd for him and then he got his spot in the lineup after that but what ended up happening in the past was you would get that chance to grow behind a player but now with the way players transfer and the way schools are looking to just add people really, really quickly, you're not guaranteed that next spot if you're the first one off the bench anymore. You are really competing nationwide. So like you said, if you can go somewhere and you have a spot as a freshman, 
there's so much good college talent that you're playing against the best, even if you go to maybe a smaller school. Yeah. Yeah. You're playing against the best, even though you might not be playing against that guy. <laughs> he may be in Oklahoma somewhere, you know? Right. Uh, I, and I think it's a bad thing to tell you the truth. I know this all came out because of uh, the situation that COVID presented to baseball teams and players and guys that missed entire seasons, uh, a couple seasons in some case, some cases. Um, it used to be you'd, you'd signed to go to a major college and you had to stay there three years. You know, you couldn't even get drafted until after your junior year if you were at a major school. I don't think it's a, product, a productive thing. And, and football is a better example. You know, there are guys that have been to four different schools in three years. Uh, to me, um, I don't, I'm not sure that that's doing anybody a service. And uh, it's, it's more prevalent in football. We hear about it more in football, no question about it but it is available in baseball as well. And like you said, you know, maybe I, I put in my time as a freshman and I was behind the senior who was our best second baseman. And now it's my turn. And I look up and the second baseman from the university of Nevada is now playing on my team. And he's probably better than me too. And even though I've tried to hone my skills and do whatever I could do to become that guy, I'm sitting behind him again. And I didn't even know that that was an option. And, you know, that can be pretty frustrating and, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, if you're a hard nosed guy, I guess you look at the kid and you say, well, get better, <laughs> you know, and that's that's the goal. But at the same time, you know, there's there's something to be said for a guy who puts his time in with a with a school and an organization and a coach and a, and teammates and then have something like that happen. You know, obviously, a, an incoming freshman could do the same thing to that guy, but at least, you know, he has an opportunity of know that to know that that's that's happening. You know, some of this stuff comes out of the blue at him, you know, from kids all across the country and all across the, the world that has a, an opportunity to come in there and bump you out of your spot. Looking back at your career as an example, you had incredible versatility. Do you think that is something that maybe has been lost a little bit in the game in general and maybe is coming back now, not just with somebody like Shohei Otani who pitches and hits, but somebody like Mookie Betts, who's like, yeah, I play right field, but you need me to play shortstop. I'll learn how to play shortstop. You need me at second base. I played second base in the minors. I'll go back there. Do you think that versatility is starting to return to the game? You know, it depends on the organization you look at, I think, sometimes. Like you just mentioned the Dodgers and Mookie Betts. Uh, the Boston Red Sox were a very versatile team. They were a bad team this past season, but they have in the past, even in 2018 when they won the World Series, a bunch of versatile guys that could play different positions. So as a manager, you're never kind of caught off guard with, oh, my gosh, I can't really pinch it for this guy because I don't have anyone to play left field. And there's a bunch of guys on the team that that could play multiple positions. For me, it was out of necessity. And I, every kid I talk to, um, I tell them that I don't care if you think you're the best shortstop on the team. If you don't learn how to play second base, you're going to run into problems sometimes. Or And it's even tougher if you're a guy like a first baseman. You, you play first base, and that's where you play, and that's where you're best at, and that's where you love to play the most. So you put all your time into first base. And then you get into high school, or you get into college, and there's a better first baseman on that team than you are. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit on the bench? Or should you have at some point in your career learned how to catch balls out in left field during batting practice? You know, uh, take your work at first base. Do everything you're supposed to do to become the best first baseman you can be. And then in your downtime, 
go to center field and catch balls off the bat, go to right field, go to third base and see how that looks over there. Uh, play other positions because there will be a time. There's no question, unless you're unless you're Shohei Otani, there will be a time where someone you're going to bump into someone who's better at that position than you are. And if you can't play anywhere else, you're going to end up not playing. And that's certainly not the goal. And I do think that's starting to be reinforced more. It is a skill that's being rewarded. And you look at something like first base is such a great example because you might pigeonhole yourself. And then it's something like, I always like to use current examples because I think that's the easiest way to actually explain it to people. Bryce Harper can't play the outfield this year, so he has to go to first. And you could be the second best first baseman in the game, and you're probably not starting over Bryce Harper. So you got to go somewhere else. And that versatility is one of the things that when I look back at your career, it just really sticks out as that's a way that you can get on a major league roster or you can get on a college roster and you can stay there because the more you can do, the more slots you can fill, the harder it is to get rid of you. You know, what we've talked about in this whole podcast so far is, is what it comes down to is how difficult this game is, how hard it is to play and how hard it is to be good at. And that's, I think that gets lost sometimes. You know, we watch TV and we we watch the best players in the world and they make it look easy sometimes, uh, especially defensively. Because when we're talking about versatility, we really are talking about whether or not you can catch the ball at a variety of positions. And the reason why I had to do it is because I wasn't a strong hitter. I wasn't a great hitter. So I needed to play other positions. So as you said, so they couldn't get rid of me. Um, because they needed guys that could play the positions uh, defensively uh, at any given time and any day in any position. So that was that was the key to me staying in the big leagues. But we're talking about how difficult this is, and and uh, it, that gets lost sometimes. And and I I hope you're right because the way the game has been played lately, say over the last ten years or so, it had changed. You know, with some of the rule changes and, and some of the the uh, stats that have come into the game and, uh, you know, all the analytics, um, the changes that have been made to the game, in my opinion, haven't been good ones. Um, it, it's changed the game the way it's played aesthetically, too. And, and most of those changes um, have been away from old school baseball. And I'd like to see it go back to that. I truly believe that the, the team that will win the world series this year and the teams that will win continuous world series going forward are teams that play more old school national league baseball, good pitching, good defense and speed. You know, the stolen base has come back into the game. No one stole any bases for the last 15 years because everyone was waiting for a three run home run and everyone was supposed to be trying to hit the ball out of the park and no one was on base to steal a base. So you know, it was the whole three outcomes of the way the game was played was true. Either you walked, you hit a home run, or you struck out. And to me, that's not a very entertaining way to play the game. And we're starting to see it go back to more emphasis on defense, more emphasis on speed. And because of that, you're going to see more emphasis on pitching. And so uh, we're, we're starting to see it swing back, and it needs to do that. I want to take a couple minutes to talk about one of the teams with which you are the most closely associated and that would be the Red Sox and they are making big changes this offseason they just 
got rid of their general manager or whoever filled the general manager position. It might have been a different title than that. I forget. But you're looking at this team that has money to spend. Usually most seasons they're in this juggernaut of the American League East, but they have not been up there every year. They've sort of had this two or three down years, one year making a run, and then they settle back again. What are some of your opinions on how the Red Sox can maybe be a more consistent contender like they were maybe 10 years ago? Yeah, I mean, you you danced around it pretty well. I mean, instead of saying they've stunk it up for probably the last six or seven years, <laughs> except for 2018. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't be finishing in last place with a $200 million payroll. And that's what they've been doing. Now, over the last couple of seasons, they have pared their payroll down. And, you know, some people are saying it looks like they're trying to get rid of expense and then possibly sell the team. You're talking about an ownership group that came in 20 years ago, 25 years ago, however long it was, and totally changed uh, the face of the franchise. They won four World Series, something they hadn't done in, you know, what, you know, 86 years or something like that. Um, And everything was great for a while. But now you can see obvious differences where maybe they've lost interest. Uh, You know, they don't spend money like they used to. They hired a small market general manager and he came in and ran the team like a small market team, even though they had the deepest pockets in the game uh, for the most part. The Red Sox were always known as a team that was not rebuilding. You know, it used to be the Yankee adage. There's, There's no such thing as rebuilding. We reload. And that's what the Red Sox always did. You could always count on them doing that. They let Mookie Betts get away. They let Xander Bogarts get away. They let, you know, some of the core members of their club kind of leave either via free agency or they signed somewhere else or traded them away. They made a couple bad signings where you look at the, you know, the deal that they gave um, Sale was a a big money deal. They knew he was hurt when they gave it to him and he spent most of his time hurt and was ineffective. Uh, They gave big money to Trevor Story who spent most of his time on the IL this year too. So they've they've made some bad moves and they haven't filled in very well behind guys that they were going to lose. So yeah, they have a lot of changes that they need to make. It'll be interesting to see what they do. They didn't do anything at the trading deadline, and you're talking about a team that could do anything they want at the trading deadline. They haven't done anything over the last couple seasons at the deadline, and they did nothing to really re-sign um, or sign. They, you know, they re-signed Devers, but after you got, gave away your other top players and then give Devers 300 million, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, so. I think people are like, what is this organization doing right now? Because I don't know if they have an identity. They need to find one quick. Steve Lyons, thank you so much for this conversation. It was really great. We got to cover a number of topics from the Wolfhounds to what's going on right now in the game. And it's always great to have somebody with your insight on the show. Anytime. uh, I enjoyed it. This has been episode 74 of the Irish Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Becker. Of course, we'll hear more from Steve Lyons on a future episode. In two weeks, however, you will get the second half of Sean Clancy's interview with 2023 Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame inductee Jim Palmer. The interview is from 2021. 
but revisiting it this year has been met with a lot of positive feedback from our members. This is the Irish Baseball Podcast.